the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Right? But I'll tell you what, every good soldier and Marine I've ever met would rather help somebody than kill them. You kill the ones where you don't have a choice. Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Situation Report. Glad to have you with us. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stonlecker. I am your host and very glad to have you with me. Today we are going to discuss a, a, a topic, an issue that is very important um, and very important to me. It should be important to you as well. It's something that's happening around the world and yet something we don't often identify. Perhaps we don't want to identify, we would prefer to live, uh, look away, uh, but it's happening, it's real. And that is the issue of religious persecution. Now, we say religious persecution, we all have an idea of what that means, um, but it's more than just not getting a job because of your particular religion. It's more than just people saying mean things to you. In many places around the world, folks are losing their lives. Families are being torn apart. Young girls are being abused in uh, unimaginable ways. This is religious persecution. Thankfully, we have a guest on today that's going to talk about his understanding and perspectives on this topic, but also a project that he's been involved in that hopefully, as it goes forward, we'll get to enough people and get to the right people and really shine a light on this very, very important issue. Our guest today is Tom Garrett. Tom is a former member of Congress. He served in the United States military. He was in the Army, which, uh, as all of us know, is very, very close to being a military branch. Um, they do some good things, I've heard. I, I never saw When I was in Iraq, I never saw the Army. I assumed they were there. People say they were. I never saw them. But maybe Tom can, <laughs> can help us out. A uh, new documentary series that he has been working on, and uh, we are working to uh, get out there. People need to see it. It's called Exile. We're going to talk about that. But, uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining me and talking about uh, a lot of things we're going to jump into here in just a second. Jeremy, th- thanks for having me. And as you were a Marine, I will speak slowly and use small words. <laughs> well, all of my notes are here in crayon, so uh, it <laughs> takes me a minute to work through, <laughs> to work through them. Uh, of all of the other branches, uh, the military and the, or the, uh, the Army and the Marine Corps are the most closely aligned. So um, I think uh, we talk about eating the same dirt. And, man, so many folks in so many places are doing that. Uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for this documentary. I want to get into that, but, but before that, let's just – start at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about your life, how you were raised, how you ended up in the Army, and some of those experiences? So this is funny, because we were rising each other off air about the inter-service rivalry. Um, raised by a mom and dad who loved the Lord. Uh, you know, I told you off air, I was sort of raised in church, but I never yeah. really, and there's a faith story here, and I like a long form, because we can kind of get into it. I never, I, I, I joke that I always believed in God, I just believed in me more. Like, I was yeah. just, <laughs> right. God's not going to come cut my grass, I got to go get that done. Um, and I've really, as I've really, as I've fallen, um, and, and I got a life, I've been blessed. Right. And, and, but, uh, there've been walls that I ran into where I finally said, I God help me. And, um, so I got that early and that was great. 
um, how did I come to be in the army? My, my real, my hero and my best friend, my father's passed away is my first cousin who was a scout sniper in the mm. Marine Corps, who, who I think there were 72 MTO and E scout snipers in the Marine Corps at the time who served in Beirut. And, um, wow. and, and, and the guy's amazing. He's a DVM in Alabama. And, um, and when I have like perplexing questions that I would get about, he's about 10 years older than me. So, um, I'm going to college and I think he turned down college baseball offers to enlist in the Marine Corps out of conviction. Wow. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, but which really made my uncle angry, um, <laughs> what a good role model to have, right? Somebody who's possessed with the, with the, with the concept at age 17, 18, that every young American is so blessed to have been born here that they owe something back. Mm. And so that was, that shaped me along with my mom and dad who were, like I said, pretty squared away. And, um, when I went to college, my sister was a senior and she said, you got to take an ROTC course, easy A. And so freshman year, first semester, Captain Nick Chucci, ROTC, yeah, Garrett, you know, we think you might have a taste to be an army leader. And I'm like, to me? You know, which I didn't realize he said that to all the kids. Um, <laughs> so applied for the for the three and a half year scholarship, never told my parents, um, um, got that and um, and went home at Christmas. And, and wow. it was like my dad had won the lottery and my mom thought it was like, you're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> right. And, um, and just, you know, and and the men and women that I met and, and my OBC was like really the hardest school I've ever been to. And I've been to some pretty good schools. Uh, field artillery officer basic back when we still did manual cannon gunnery and mm. um, there's 14 slide rules and 62 pounds of tabulated firing tables Good night. i'm a history guy i don't know math yeah. but my seatmate was a guy um jason fry who was a marine officer who lost an arm in uh iraq and was featured in the navy marine corps times like yeah. he stayed in the marine corps like a year he's doing one arm pull-ups to pass the pft yeah. wow. so being in the military got me around you know people thought you're a hero and i'm like no but i've met some um, and so what a blessing there. And then I uh, got out, went to law school. People were like, were you a lawyer in the army? I'm like, no, I was a soldier. I only crossed over to the dark side later. <laughs> um, but always this attitude instilled upon me from my parents that like our job is to leave it just a smidgen better than we found it. Sure. So how do you do that? Right. And, and, and Clark, my cousin, sort of the, the every young man fortunate enough to be born here has an obligation to give something back. So I'm checking these blocks along the way. Uh, all the while it's long form right i'm drinking right i was good mm. at it really good at it and um and that was a self-medicating thing but i kept succeeding so since i was succeeding i didn't have an alcohol problem like somebody once said alcoholism is when you hear a voice lying to you and sobriety is when you realize it's your voice right um, right right yeah. so as we record this i know you're right. going to air in a month or so or whatever some other i don't know but anyway three years, six months and 15 days, not that I'm counting yeah. by the grace of God, yeah. G-O-D with a capital G um, and, and one day at a time. And, but my life is so much better, but anyway, so that's how I came to be in the military and, and, and sort of the, that spirit of service that led me to Congress um, where I was disenchanted quickly. Shall I keep going? Yeah. 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 I think we're all disenchanted with Congress right now. So, <laughs> so you just came, came to it earlier than we did. Did, did your alcoholism, did it start in the military? Was there, was there a, some catalyst for I mean, it? I remember, you know, I don't want to, the, the, the 12 step program with which I am affiliated, uh, it doesn't want me to name it, you know? Um, right. but, uh, the first time I got drunk, I thought, oh, this is magical and I got to find it again. And I chased it for years and it was how I shut my brain down. And I wasn't a daytime drinker. I wasn't an everyday drinker. I uh, wasn't abusive. I was neglectful, right? I was self-centered. Right. and um, But I, all the while, I hated myself, right? I'm succeeding. And yes, the rationalization is you can't be, you, I've never lost an election. Right, right. And, um, but I was miserable. And as a veteran yourself, we've, we know these guys and gals, like they come back from these places where what yeah. they're doing is existential in real time. 
and like life is not as challenging they don't feel appreciated we do things like we just did in afghanistan then you go what does any of it even mean right why were we there why did my friend die and uh it's an easy it's an easy road to follow and and um so it didn't start at any point in time i do think there's a predilection a genetic predisposition to it i'm not a victim yeah that's been so good to yeah. me I'm, I'm in fact i'm not contrary to that i'm like one of the luckiest dudes i, I know sure so um but yeah when you talk about faith in your family, um, it's funny, you, you kind of mentioned that. My dad was a pastor, and I grew up in a Christian home, and I always I always joke that um, I went to my dad one day when I was 14 years old and said, hey, Dad, do you care what I do with my life? I don't know that ministry is what God wants for me. And he said, son, do whatever God wants you to do. That's the right answer. I said, well, God wants me to be in the Marine Corps. He said, God does not want you to be in the Marine Corps. There's no way God wants that for you. And uh, I went to college, and, and that was my parents going, well, we're going to make you go to college. Hopefully you'll work this thing out. And I ended up uh, serving as a, a Marine officer. Um, so I get that 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 journey and that path, um, and it was later in my life too. I, I think probably my my faith certainly had been developed as a young person, and uh, God worked in my life. And I, I didn't feel like I was running from God or anything like that, but I was not committed to that relationship until much later. What was your your faith journey like as a child? I, I'm always curious because when you come to this on the other side, there has to have been something that happened back here, right? That you tie back to. What was that like for you? So I, I listen, shameless plug, exileseries.com, right? Yeah. That's why, but um, because this is long form and, and, and I'm so damn lucky. I love to tell the story. So my mom's diagnosed terminal with cancer when I'm like 10. She's going to die. Mayo Clinic say she's going to die. Johns Hopkins, UVA, MCV, nobody will take her. And my mom's like, God's got a miracle for me. And my dad was so doggedly persistent that this is before the internet. Um, that he'd get off the, his office was next to my bedroom and office in the home. He'd get off the phone with Dr. Smith and he'd say, thanks for your time, Dr. Smith. And, and I understand you can't help. Can you give me two names and numbers of people I should call next? Finally, university of Pittsburgh said, bring her up. You know, she's probably going to die mm-hmm. on the table. We're going to take a whack at this. And mom turned seven. Well, I won't say my mom's age, but she had a birthday in <laughs> April. Wow. And that wow. was when I was 10 and I'm not that young. And that was like, she's like my miracle. God yeah. gave me this. And, um, my name's Thomas, right? If you know the scriptures, I'm, my job is to go, yeah, but I mean, really? Sure, yeah. But, some doubting so there. Always, I'm like, I've seen this stuff work, you know? And, um, but the world says, oh, those guys are dumb or whatever. And all I know is it's worked for me. It worked for her. So that was the foundation. Uh, you're talking about being raised by a pastor and PKs. We all know PKs are the worst, man. Um, <laughs> they become Marines. It's crazy. Marine. <laughs> um, but but um, yeah, the, so that when we're young, you know, raise the child up in the ways of the Lord. Right. And so the foundation is laid. And, and I think like, again, in my life, success, 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 dramatic, catastrophic, like the wheels are coming off. I'm, I'm in the midst of scandal in Congress and like, and, 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 and I'm talking to my cousin Clark and I'm like, dude, man, this is garbage. Like not, I'm accused of treating staff like servants. I take a great pride in treating everyone well, always. I was accused of having like staff chauffeur my daughters around DC. Mm. It literally never happened. Not once. I was accused of having staff pick up dry cleaning. It literally never happened, not yeah. once. Meanwhile, I'm getting hammered two to four nights a week, and nobody's accusing me of anything to do with right, that. Right, right. So I told Clark, I'm like, I hate this place. It's broken beyond this one humble servant's ability to fix it. And he knew how I was drinking. And he's like, dude, what, what's your biggest problem? I said, people that have no integrity. And he's like, no. <laughs> what's your biggest problem? I'm like, I don't think I understand. He's like, you understand. And he said, what's your biggest problem? I said, my drinking. He goes, don't run again. 
get sober. So I did. And, and now it's like, what's my reason for being? It's like that one operator who's supposed to go take out our Baghdadi. And then he gets out of the, it gets out of the military and he's like, why am I here? And, um, all this, meanwhile, things had been happening that were leading mm. up to ExileSeries.com that I didn't know because this is how God works. Yeah. And if you can't tell by looking at me, like this subject matter is dark and it's depressing and it hurts your soul, but I'm happy and, and light. And so all the stuff that stunk was putting us somewhere where we could do this project. And you want to see something neat about this, Jeremy, is that I shouldn't say it, but like if this doesn't succeed, guess what? I'm going to be okay because God's right. got me. Yeah. And so, so it was about letting go of that, that, that golem, like, like brass ring member pin and going, I know there's something else, but right now triage. Yeah. You know? What was and, the, what was the response of the people around you when you finally said, you know, I'm an alcoholic, I'm struggling with this. You resigned so, from Congress. So people who loved me most were, were proud I was leaving Congress. Mm. I mean, there were there were some exceptions that I don't want to get into. I, you know, somebody's saying, you know, you're you're throwing it all away, and right. you know, and but whatever. Usually, that sort of thing is driven by a selfish motivation on that person's part. That's not right. my problem. Yeah, and and I don't whatever. I mean, God took me where I needed to be, and I've said this maybe off air, maybe on air. Like when I when I wake up in the morning, it's dear God, put me where you want me. All men, yeah, because I don't, I'm not smart enough to know. Um, sorry, turning the ringer off. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm not smart enough to know. Uh, so yeah, I, but tr- for me again, it was like uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Yeah, I don't know why I'm here, but I am sober and I'm happier than I've ever been. There's this lightness that's a gift from God, right? He wants us to be happy, joyful, and free. Yeah. That doesn't mean life's going to be easy. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be pain. That doesn't mean that things won't happen that we can't understand, which is what we cover in ExileSeries.com. Is stuff that's going on that people don't know about. Like yeah. if you have a soul and it doesn't tear at it, then you're not wired right. Yeah. But now you've all heard me talk about MyPillow. And now Mike has just announced that our customers will receive one of his books, What Are the Odds, from Crack Addict to CEO, absolutely free with any purchase using our promo code. It's a great time to buy his warm and wonderful My Slippers. I have a pair myself. I have the moccasins. I wear them all day long, inside and outside. In fact, I wear them probably too much outside, so I'm going to get a second pair for myself. Uh, when you walk on the, the MyPillow foam in the impact gel, it, uh, it keeps your feet from getting fatigued from walking around all day. feels like you're walking on these kind of cushioned air pockets. Uh, I absolutely love them. Uh, they're made with quality leather suede. And again, I'm going to get a second pair for myself and buying pairs uh, for my family as well. And for a limited time, Mike is offering 50% off his My Slippers for you. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listeners Square and use promo code SIDREP. You also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including some overstock products such as individual towels, blankets, comforters, and so much more. Call 1-800-870-0283 and use promo code SIDREP. I, uh, I love talking about redemption. You know, just as a Christian, we talk about redemption in a... Uh, uh, I was going to say salvific, a salvation sense in the, the sense of God saves us. That is, that is redemp, redemptive work. But the word redemption, it means uh, putting value into something that once had none. It's making something valuable that doesn't on its own have any value. What I love about your story, and you're going to continue telling your story, is that God took those broken parts of you and redeemed them. He, he made them valuable. So the things that you did, perhaps even in Congress, 
that you didn't enjoy, God could use that for a redemptive purpose, for a purpose that was bigger than you. And uh, man, I, I love that. So continue to tell that story. You, you well, well, I can't remember if we talked about this off air or on, but it starts when I'm on the, so I get cubby hole, I get pigeonholed on the foreign affairs committee. Cause like I got to Washington, I got my committee assignment. I went to get my committee assignments, went to a chairman said, I want to be on your committee. He said, well, you promised to vote for this bill. I said, let me take a look at it and I'll try to get to yes. He goes, well, we haven't written it yet. And I said, well, then I won't promise to vote for it. Like, right. that's a true story. Right. That's how bad Washington is. I'd been sworn in one day. And I went to another committee chair, and he said, I'll let you be on my committee, but you have to promise to do this. And I'm like, this place is broken. Yeah. Like, less than 24 hours in. So I get thrown on the Foreign Affairs Committee because I can't do with so much damage there because it's largely an executive branch responsibility anyway. And and as such came to be familiar, and I dove into it, right? I mean, with some human tragedy that unfolds every day as we speak and like just was captivated by yeah. it and it started with the, the, the sort of like seminal moment was there's a czech pastor who'd worked for voice of martyrs named petter yashik mm. he's being held in sudan his charge is aiding rebels which is like sort of as bad as it's draconian right it means giving food and water and medicine to displaced refugees right 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 he's in prison for 20 some odd years so i'm new and there's probably four dozen house members and a dozen members of the senate the czech government the u.s department of state leaning on sedan saying you got to let him go and i'm like and me too right i'm the last <laughs> guy of the fight um but they let him go and so i called him up on the phone in prague and i said how are you sir you know and he goes i'm fine but my colleagues are still being held and i'm mm -hmm. like what colleagues nobody said anything about any colleagues he said well there were local nationals who were helping me who are still in prison and i'm like no okay and now i have there's 60 people in senate and house helping him the state department the czech government nobody's helping them yep i'm in right so i get in my car i drive to the fake sudanese embassy because they don't have a real embassy because they're a state sponsor of terrorism i knock on the door and i had the names i'm like you need to release these dudes from prison <laughs> yo right <laughs> and um and they're like who are you i hand a business card they're like hang on a second there's like 10 guys <laughs> come in the room um and uh and ultimately, so many months later, the chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee and, and the White House and everybody says, you can't go to Sudan. And I'm like, well, ha, ha, watch me. <laughs> and um, so I go by with my own money on my own time into wow. Sudan and, wow. and, and meet with like real live terrorists. They're like, you could die. I said, send somebody with me or don't. Yeah. And they ended up having some people that met me over there. Um, and then and then I got seven family members out who were wow. baffled at like hot water. Right. We got them in a house that a church helped yeah. fix up and provide. Yeah. Like, do you mean you turn this and hot water comes out? <laughs> right. Right. If we as Americans get upset when we get a flat tire. Yeah. And um, and then and then like two months after that, went to Dallas and picked up these two men who had spent two and a half years in prison for loving their neighbor. And and like, and I'm still drinking at the time, not not that day, you know, but probably later that night. And but I'm like, wow, because I've done something that matters, right? And so that's the beginning of ExileSeries.com. Mm. Yep. Didn't know it. Yep. Did, the series didn't exist. But I'm on fire because yeah. God's just used worthless me, right, to do something that matters. And and um, subsequently, Hassan, Pastor Hassan and Awadia have had twins in the U.S. And, oh. and so there's 11 people who are free that wouldn't be free if, yeah. if God hadn't used me. Yeah. And um, so then uh, I, I run into the wall. We talked about these sort of ethics charges. I, I, you know, I, I'm convinced I would have won re-election, but I hated it. So, so I'm not running again. I'm going to focus on getting me right. Then a former Marine comes to me and says, dude, you don't, you, you wouldn't believe I've read about what you, and I didn't, we didn't really press on the Sudanese thing. 
because I didn't feel right about it. It's not, I didn't go to Sudan to yeah. get a good press release. I went to Sudan to save lives. Sure. Yeah, right, right. And so this Marine comes to me and says, can I take you into Syria? We're going in the back way across the Euphrates River from the hook. We're going to meet with the Kurds, the Yazidis, the Christians, who are still at this point, like it's 18. We're in Baguz and Darzor. There's a gunfight. Yeah. Will you go? Yeah. Don't tell a soul. They find out I'm over there, they being the White House, DOD. They're freaking out. Freaking, yeah, you were uh, still in Congress at the time. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I said first thing I said is why me, dude. I'm a I'm a I'm an alcoholic and like I'll never get elected to anything again. Why do you want me? He goes, "Do you have the courage to go?" I said, "I have mm. the courage to go." He said, "Well, nobody else will. So if you come, maybe somebody else will." And I'm like, yeah, you know, well. dear God, is this right? He's like, you know, go. So I'm over there. Literally, I've never told the story on camera before. You know, Dave Eubank, Free Burma yep. Rangers. Yep. He was in the room, so yeah. so he can he can vouch for this. So we're supposed to meet with an American A team over there. Um, we'd met him earlier, and they're going to give us a sit rep. And, um, and but instead, this 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 O four shows up with a couple of NCOs. He's like, "Sir, we got a we got a UH sixty over here. You need to come get on the bird because you could die here." I said, "Well, wait. You think that like I got here and didn't know that I could die here? Right. <laughs> this, this isn't Disneyland. Oh yeah. man, I took the wrong off ramp." So well, you been standing next to me. I said, "Well, who told you to come get me?" He's like, "White House highest levels of DOD." I said, "Tell highest levels of DOD I stopped taking orders from them twenty years ago." Right, right. right? Like, and because I'm st- standing there with real American heroes and real mm-hmm. Iraqis and, and Syrians who like have risked everything. And like, if I go get on that bird, like, who am right. I? Sure. And so I'm like, thanks for the offer, guys. I'm here because this matters, and I'm gonna tell the story. Now, backstory, shouldn't say this. There's two NCOs standing behind the officer. Both of them are like, (laughs) (laughs) and if you don't believe it, I got witnesses. Um, Like I said, Eubank was in the room, and God, every once in a while, even lets people like me get to be cool. That was like a cool movie star. So I get back from Syria and like the people who used to call me don't answer my calls because I'm not running again for Congress. Right. And this brilliant young filmmaker, right. Matt Whitworth, who's conceived Exile series already, calls me up after I get back from Syria, having already done Sudan and Iraq and, and says, dude, will you go back to these dangerous places to tell the stories, to give a voice to the voiceless? And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you stop drinking at my age to leave Congress and don't know what you're going to do. And it's like, why am I here? Hmm. And um, Matt's like, dude, we can change. We can make something that matters. And I'm like, I'm all in. And then uh, this is 18. So so wow. we shot again uh, in 19. And then we're going to roll this thing out in March of 2020 and COVID. And now if you want, and this is not a faith-based show, but you got a faith-based guest. So, so we can't go. All the airs out of the media room. Meanwhile, ironically, the persecution of minorities, religious minorities, all minorities globally is getting worse because yep. COVID's turned the lights out so the cockroaches can play. Sure. And, uh, wow. and I'm like, dear God, I, I thought that was what you wanted me to do, but okay. And then this COVID started clearing up. I had a pretty good job. Uh, that job was going away because it was contract work. And the same day that that job was going away, Matt called and said, let's roll this thing, man. It yeah. needs to be done. And uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, you know, if without a God, this stuff can't happen this way. There's Mm. too many perfect storms. So yeah, ExileSeries.com is to to tell the stories of the horrific circumstance visited upon humanity by humanity so that when people see it, they demand a different set of of actions in the future from our leadership. Yeah. Every single life on earth has value and has value to our creator. 
Um, we've been to funding, and this is the th- this is a sales pitch, but it's true. We have been to the big studios. Hollywood won't make this movie. They've seen the stuff that you guys have seen. They're like, this is good. Can you do this without talking bad about China? And I was like, doing this, <laughs> doing exileseries.com without talking about China is like doing a doc on the Beatles without talking about John. It can't sure. be done. You yeah. can't talk about human rights and religious freedom without talking about the biggest offender. Yep. So, um, and then we talked, and I should, and we talked to some Christian philanthropic interests, and they're like, well, can you do this, but just talk about Christians? And I'm like, which Bible did you read, mm-hmm. dog? Because, like, my, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan, they didn't pick somebody from a different village. They picked a right. blood death enemy. Right. 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 So, my job is to help human beings. It, 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 that's how I envision it. And in and, and this series, exileseries.com, and, and take risks maybe to do it. But, like, you tell me, Jeremy, what's the higher calling? Why were you in the Marine Corps? Same right. reason. Right. Right. But I'll tell you what, every good soldier and Marine I've ever met would rather help somebody than kill them. You, you kill the ones yeah. where you don't have a choice. Yeah. I, I uh, People ask me a lot about going into Iraq. I was there. Our battalion breached the berm. We were one of the, <clears throat> the three units that breached the berm. The Battle of Baghdad was our battalion. And a lot of people have asked me about being there. And, and I always tell the same story. We went there for whatever reason. Right. We had reasons. There were reasons. But I remember talking to farmers who had had their water taken away by Saddam's regime, and so they couldn't plant their fields. So these huge fields that have been plowed and prepared, but they had no water, they couldn't feed their families, and, and stories of just abject poverty that didn't need to be that way. I mean, the resources were there, they just had no access to them. And when I talk about why I was in Iraq, I didn't know it at the time, but that's why I was there. It's And it, and it didn't matter to me. Um, religion didn't matter in, in that sense or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Suffering of people around the world is absolutely incredible. And and you're right. You go into the military largely to help, you know, fix that problem. And that's an important aspect of all of this. Right. We perceive, I hope correctly, ourselves to be the good guys, right? We, right. we wear the metaphorical white cowboy hat. Um, there's a scene in the, in the, in the long cut, and, and it sort of makes the trailer, where we're in north and eastern Syria and and the, all the fields of wheat, because it's actually the breadbasket of the country, have been burned like just before the harvest because they pushed mm. ISIS, Dash, they pushed them out. They're still in pockets. So in order to A, remind the populace that they right. were there and they could affect change, and B, out of, I guess, hatred and spite, they burned all the food. Right. And like so this isn't targeted at the military. This is targeted at the children and the old folks. That's and right. Everybody. And that's like tip of the iceberg stuff, right? I'm in Raqqa at the stadium and they're talking about like, you know, somebody's not complying with the orders of the caliphate. And 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 so they, they stick him in a four foot by four foot cage. And after he's sat there for a day, they come throw his child's head in the cage with it. Mm. I mean, and so like, again, you know, uh, Matt was doing an interview earlier and he said, you know, we live in a country where, where you know, 20 year olds are incensed if somebody offends them. And we're going to talk with the 19 year old girls who were held three years as sex slaves got out and have been fighting ISIS with AK 47s for the last one year. What do you and, What do you say to people who, who would say that's a neat project? I'm sure that's a very small thing. This religious persecution thing, it's very isolated. It's not a big deal. Um, in the trailer, you give you know tons of statistics. But what do you say to someone who's like, that's not as big a deal as you're making it? Well, you know, it's. I think denial is a wonderful place to live, right? <laughs> so I feel convicted by responsibility, right? By, by, to, to whom much is given, from whom much is expected, the parable right. of talents. And the numbers speak for themselves. So we had a UK report that said that eight Christians a day were murdered because of their faith, and we started putting it out there. And then we did a new search, and it's up to 16. And this is in three years. 
That's thousands of human beings a year. You've got over a million Rohingya displaced from Burma, but wait, let's talk about the Kachen and the Wall and the Karen and the tribes that I know by, by virtue of Free Burma Rangers and David Eubank. Uh, the Uyghurs, that's tip of the iceberg stuff there. Well, let's talk about organ harvesting, where we, we, we mm. raised humans like chattel and cattle to take their kidneys to Fulong Gong in China, and, and, and about systemic and, 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 and literally sort of systematic uh, rape culture and sale of human beings. I have friends, by the way, who are Muslim, who are busting their rear ends to go find women sold into sex slavery out of Syria and Iraq who are living in, in Gulf states right now who are alive. Yeah. And um, so you can say it's a small problem, but number one, it's the biggest problem in the world to the person who suffers from it. Sure, of course. There's 7.7 billion people on this planet. Six billion of them live in places where they're subject potentially to re religious or ethnic persecution that's six thousand 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 human beings that's incredible and, yeah and so and so and and the uk who's not like an advocate for christian rights has said that 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 that, that violence against christians in africa is nearing genocidal levels so there were four million and again i'm talking about yazidis and muslims and because the uyghurs and the Rohingyas. There are 4 million Christians in Iraq and Syria in 2004. There's 400,000 left. If it ain't genocide, it's certainly ethnic cleansing. Why is and, there? And these people have a right to live without fear. Why is there such a lack of will um, globally? I mean, really, the China thing, the Uyghur situation, it just completely baffles me, right? It's not even, it's not even in secret. Everyone knows it's happening, uh, slavery and those things in China, and yet no one has a will to do anything about it anywhere in the world why is there such a lack of desire to deal with this situation money that's it i mean it, it, it is it is it, we've sold our souls right so we are so we live in a land of bounty god became upset with the israelites when all of their needs were fulfilled but they had wants mm. and so this is china going you know what you guys can do this with somebody else it's going to cost twice as much or you can just turn a blind eye and and hollywood knows the product we have again matt Whitworth has busted his rear end and they like it yeah. But you don't want to irritate the, the, the plus, I mean, market, right? Market is money. 1.2 billion Chinese who are becoming increasingly sure. affluent. And, uh, and it's not just China. It's, it's all money, though, right? And I'm going to tell you what, I do aspire to live a relatively comfortable life most of the time when I'm not getting chased around by bad guys. Right. And, but if I choose money over human life, who am I? That's and, right. And I don't want to be that guy. So again, shameless exileseries.com. And because we're crowdfunding this thing. I mean, like, why? Because it ain't getting made otherwise. Yeah. And what, 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 how do you, how does it matter? Because I really believe this, Jeremy. And I know that someone from state will watch this and go, oh, isn't that sweet? We have always chosen, we found our highest strategic interest identified it and said okay this is our highest strategic interest and, and abandon everything else mm. the easy one is the is the cold war um and we needed turkey uh because we wanted to keep the soviet black sea fleet from kicking down into the mediterranean so controlling the bosphorus was kind of the way to do that mm. so we said hey turkey come be in nato and they're like cool we're in but you just need to turn a blind eye on what we do to our citizens and in i think 1983 the turks passed a law and, and erdogan's worse than anything that was going on in the 80s that, that literally declared there was no such thing as a Kurd. <laughs> right. They, 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 they made it illegal an entire ethnicity. And we and we didn't lift a finger. Yeah. And we and, and and because you know we gotta have here's so here's the thing. We tell this story, exileseries.com. We get people fired up as they should be about man's inhumanity to his fellow man. 
and we start demanding from our leaders that they behave differently, that they make different decisions, right? I joked, and this is an original line, but you can steal it. Governments <laughs> behave, governments are like children. They'll behave as badly as we let them. Mm. So guys, here's the new foreign policy paradigm. It transcends Republican, Democrat, whatever. We want to do economic and security cooperation with you, but we won't do it if you're throwing your homosexuals off of rooftops. We won't do it if you're displacing your, your Muslim population. We won't do it if you're raping your Yazidi women and beheading the men. We won't, et cetera, et cetera. Now, oh, it's oversimplification. I think most countries of the world, because you can choose, you can be in the Chinese camp or the American camp, but if you're in the Chinese camp, you're, you're slowly being purchased and given up your autonomy. If you're in the American camp, and, 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 and it means, right, that you can't oppress your minorities. I think most people won't. Now, the world won't believe us when we mm -hmm. say, here's the policy. But when we start doing it, they will. Yeah. And, 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 and that, will, that can go from Republican administration to Democrat administration. If this country gets to the point where the left and right can't agree that human beings have the right to live without fear in the place of their birth, we're done anyway. Yeah, that's right. So I think that that's how we do this. And I'll give Good. you another story. I'm winding him up. He goes... I was on committees in the House of Representatives where there's like 50 members ballpark, you know, six or seven are in a room and the foremost experts in the world are talking about subject matter X, Y, or Z. Those six or seven take turns speaking, then they leave. And the, the experts are speaking to an empty room. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Now it's because we've gotten so far past the enumerated powers that the members don't have time to do everything they're supposed to do. Mike Rowe of the TV program Dirty yeah. Job yeah. comes into the Education and Workforce Committee I love Mike Rowe. I want to be Mike Rowe when I grow up. <laughs> and and every single member is in their seats, every Democrat, every Republican. Not only are they in their seats, Mike Rowe starts his comments by saying, I'm not an expert. I'm a classically trained opera singer who enjoys spending time outside, but it's in my heart. But every single member is mm. in the room taking copious notes. And, and Aristotle repeatedly said, you give me the storytellers, I'll give you the future. And so if we can tell this story, people are going to listen. If people listen, people will demand different behavior. If we de behave differently, outcomes will change. If outcomes change, lives will be saved and quality of life will increase. Yeah. And, and if, if I can, like flawed, busted, broken me, exileseries.com, if I can be part of that, beats the heck out of being in Congress. That's good. I mean, it ain't even close. Right. Um, and if it's dangerous, you know, braver people than me have risked more than I to do better things. I'm just happy to be able to be a part of this. I hope that your your viewers will, will choose to be a part of it too. That's excellent. Exileseries.com. Um, we need to crowdfund it so that it can happen. And then it is a series. Can you just kind of outline what the series covers or kind of the, the path of that series? So we could do it all in the middle east we could do it all in africa we could do it all in asia tragically we could do it all in north america mm. or europe with the rise of anti-semitism etc right. um but what we want to do is get around the world we want to show uh, oppression of christian minorities but we want to show oppression of muslim minorities we want to show oppression of jews and Yazidis and people on ethnicity and race etc because we want people to understand sort of the nature of this it, it is everywhere it will be here if we let it be here our politicians are no different than other politicians if they can pit us one group against another sure. to gain power they'll do so um and so the six-part series would allow us to hit it from enough different angles that people we hope would understand that this is not some isolated africa That's thing good. or some isolated asia thing um and then um tragically we feel like we could do it forever which is 
horrible, but so long as it needs to be done and, and God will give us the assets to do it, we're going to do it. Um, and, and, and I can't tell you where we want to go candidly because we want to go some places yeah. that if anybody knows we're there, <laughs> we were in Syria the second time and stuff kept blowing up two hours after we left. <laughs> wow. Like, I mean, like we'd go somewhere, yep. we'd leave, we'd get a report that something just blew up. Yeah. And it was like, you know, and you get this from having been in the military. We're going to take a different route this time. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Um, you know, I, I, I think about places like that. You mentioned David Eubank, uh, that guy, yeah, he has his family living, you know, with him and, uh, a lot of the work they do in Syria and Iraq and I mean all over the world, um, it's unbelievable. And God just, His hand is on him, and you can't deny that if God is in something, He will keep you as safe as you need to be to accomplish what He wants you to accomplish. And uh, so they were. I mean, I can't. I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but in recent events, say August, they sure. had some people that went some places and did some stuff. And I was talking to folks who are like, "He's going to die." Yeah. And I thought, you know, he knows that he might, right? Like, he doesn't want to, right? Somebody yeah. said, "Do you have a death wish?" I said, "I have a life wish." Right. Um, and so, yeah, um, the, God bless the real heroes, man. I've gotten to meet so many of them, and a lot of them, you know, are Dave Eubank and Jeremy, maybe guys that you know, but a lot of them are nineteen-year-old Yazidi girls who watched their father beheaded mm. and then served, you know, years as a sex slave, and then picked up a rifle. And this happens in the, yeah. in the piece. Yeah. In the, in the trailer, she's in there. And, and I'm so taken aback by her story. And I looked at the camera, really bad presenter for him, and said, she's a hero. She's a yeah. hero. And the translator says to her, you know, but I said, and she goes, well, thank you. She's got tears coming up in her eyes. She goes, thank you. Our struggle is to survive. Mm. Same interview. What's your hope for the future? And, sh- and somebody says, that's such a Western question. Their hope <laughs> for the future. But you know what's amazing? We're there, and they know it's dangerous because they live there. And they know somebody else cares. And somebody right. else loves them. That's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, Tom, thank you uh, for talking about it. And uh, to you and Matt, and I mean, I'm sure many others on your team, thank you for taking the time to do this. This is a very, very important issue. And um, I, I'll say personally important. I, I'm, uh, I, I have a copy of The Voice of the Martyr sitting on my desk right now. I mean, this is a, an issue that I am very concerned about. And um, yeah. I don't know what else to say other than thank you for doing it. This is something everyone needs to watch. Everyone needs to get involved with. And uh, we need to stand up and do the right thing. That's what makes America different, too, by the way, is that we're willing to stand up and do the right thing to give a voice to those that don't have one. And uh, we need to continue to do that. So so I know we're wrapping up. We did an interview earlier with an entity and and it had the whole Hollywood won't do this movie. And I said, and I said what you just said, I said, this is America. We're going to do it. Yeah, It won't be Hollywood. We're going right. to do it. And, right. But, but our job is to do our job and make the world a better place. ExileSeries.com. Yeah. So, so grateful. Awesome. Tom Garrett, thank you. And uh, we'll talk again soon, I hope. Jeremy, God bless. Thank you. Yes, sir. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. 
Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Very, very grateful for Tom's time and uh, him uh, really illuminating so many of the aspects of this issue to us. Uh, I, I would encourage you in the strongest way that I possibly can, uh, please take some time to go over and visit exileseries.com, exileseries.com. Uh, Tom mentioned that several times. You should not forget it. Exileseries.com, there you can support. This is a crowdsourced, crowdfunded project. You can support the project. You can also um, find out where to get it when it is released, how to support it and get behind it. Please take some time to jump over there. Very grateful for this conversation and grateful for you. Thank you for watching and listening. Look forward to talking to you next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.